Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey guys, Todd Helms here with another episode of the Wingman Podcast. And today I've got Ricky Hart on with me from Lucky Duck in Baldwin, Wisconsin. And uh, without getting too far off in the weeds already, how are you holding up, man? Hey, you know, I'm just out here, uh, here in Michigan, uh, working from home as I typically do every day, uh, and uh, just fighting off this this uh, new COVID that I just got uh, oh, yesterday. Fun. So, you know, outside of that, just uh, getting through that, making sure that my uh, family keeps their distance and, and uh, we get through this uh, over the next couple of weeks. Nice, nice. Yeah, well, I know, I'm sorry about the Wisconsin thing. I know the company's in Baldwin, Wisconsin. Correct, yeah. I wasn't aware you were in Michigan. Where are you in Michigan? Because I'm a Michigan so, boy, too, so. Yeah, so I'm down in uh, Sturgis, so St. Oh, Joe okay. County, Michigan. Yeah, right there on the line of uh, Indiana and Michigan, and um, it's my hometown. It's where I grew up, and um, I've been back here now for uh, just uh, over two years. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Good for you. you guys have got down that far, you kind of get sucked into some of that uh, some of those central flyway birds kind of make the swing a little bit once in a while. Every once in a while, nothing too crazy, you know, uh, but, uh, um, we do, uh, we do have some good honker shoots now and again. Right. Right. Yeah. I had, uh, had Sean Stahl on a podcast a little while ago, actually. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody has to talk to him, right? <laughs> yeah. Sean, Sean and I get along really well. We talk. Yeah. Yeah. Sean. No, it was, it's fun to talk to fellow Michiganders. I tell you yeah. what, it's, um, I, I haven't lived there in over a decade now. I've been in Wyoming for a long time and, but taking some of those talking to Sean, it's like, I'm sure he and I were across the road from each other at one point <laughs> on, on different goose hunts, but I'm, uh, I'm almost positive. never actually met. You know, and it's the same way with same way with you. And it's funny how the world of waterfowling brings guys together that are from the same areas, but have never don't know each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to take another dig at Sean, I'm surprised anybody in his area actually kill geese because he keeps them in his backyard pretty heavily. So <laughs> keeps them in a flight pen. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. That's his, his uh, bird watcher. He likes to study them. Just yeah. You can go out to the Central Flyway or Canada and smash on them. Yep, yep, exactly. Well, nobody went to Canada this year. Ugh. But, yeah, you said you just, before we hit a record button, we were catching up a little bit, and you said that you just contracted COVID, man. That yeah. sucks. Yeah, it's uh, it, it does, you know, and I, I really just have the same circle of friends. All I've been doing is working and hunting. Um, I, you know, I, I traveled uh, – uh, the beginning of last month, you know, one time for a sales meeting, but outside of that, everything's been virtual. Um, so it's just kind of weird outside of just going to the store and seeing my same circle of friends. Um, you know, it's, it, it happens, but you know, every day before I got this, I was learning about somebody new, whether it was a friend or, or someone in my family that was getting it. So the second round is, is definitely a lot stronger than the first one. And, uh, you're hearing and seeing more people, uh, more people getting it. So just, yeah. just alone in my family in the last two weeks, there's been five people in my family alone. Holy so, smokes. But, but it's nobody that I've no nobody in my family I've come in contact with, right. You know, and, and over a month. So, um, it's where they're getting it from is beyond me either. So yeah. it's just one of those things. Hopefully we can get through it, find a resolution to it, uh, so that we can go about our business and start acting normal again. Cause that's what we all need. 
No, I man, I could not agree more. That's it. It it affected everything that we had planned. Obviously, last spring um, started off with turkey hunts just going out the window left and right, yeah. and you know there goes that film hunt. There goes that one. There goes that one. It ended up just really cutting things back. And we weren't the only ones. It was a lot of people had the same things going on, and it's impacted everybody I've talked to. So like not being able to go to Canada not being able to do, you know, travel to this state or that state. And I don't know, I, I don't know about what, what you guys have got there in Michigan. Um, well, I, I know obviously the whole country knows some, some of the drama that you guys have been through, but oh, yeah. uh, um, I know for us, it's definitely made us, we're hunting local, you know, we're looking, chasing local birds. We're not, I mean, I, we can scoot up and hunt into Montana, but, it's like looking at Nebraska or looking at other places, South Dakota, North Dakota, um, Idaho, Colorado. It's kind of like, eh, yeah. man, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you know. Got, you bring it back to your office. You know, you bring it back to your, your family, your place of work, and then, yeah. I don't know, man. It's uh, definitely changed the look of things, even right down to um, you're, the, you're the sales manager for Lucky Duck, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're not you're not going to be at shows this this winter. Yeah, it's 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 been an interesting shift uh, for sure, and I would say that while COVID has brought many negative things, uh, just in you know whether it's in the restaurant business and other small businesses that gyms or, or whatever it may be, uh, you know it's for the outdoor industry, and this isn't just relates to hunting; it relates to ATVs or camping. You know, you know, being from Michigan, right where I'm at uh, is where they make all the RVs and stuff. I mean, they were, right. you know, not just having supply chain issues, but they couldn't make them fast enough. People are just finding ways to do other things, to your point, in their local areas, whether it's going camping, you know, boating and, and fishing and, um, you know, buying side-by-sides or four-wheelers and going on the trails and, and hunting in general. I mean, it's the first time that I can recall uh, as a Michigan turkey hunter uh, and this was the first sign is that, you know, we had, we have always this quota and, and we have a bunch of leftover turkey tags and you usually can buy one throughout any time of the season right. uh, for that general hunt. I mean, they were sold out the day after opening day. And that's the first time. And that was kind of like the warning shot coming like, all right, if this hangs out, like we're fixing to see some, some, you know, good sell through and people are going to want to go back, get back to hunting and stuff. And, and that's kind of what it's been. I mean, just on our general growth, which is good, but but overall, just you know, people just swallowing up product. It's been uh, it's been a race to just get more product here and in our hands. So I bet. it's a good it's a good thing in that aspect. But to your point, I sure do miss meeting with people, meeting with our customers, and meeting with the people that we're partners with, and, and things like that. So it's you know, uh, but you got to take it with a grain of, grain of salt. We'll get through it sooner than later. Oh yeah, yeah no, and, and I don't want to focus the whole podcast on absolutely on COVID. We've got a lot of cool yeah. things to talk about, but it's the you know it's the elephant in the room, and it, it has yeah. affected things. I I agree with you. My wife and I were actually talking. Um, uh, I've got a kindergartner this year. Uh, it's our our oldest is in kindergarten, and mm-hmm. you know I've never had a kindergartner before. I it's like she's you know you drop her off at the door and they follow these protocols, this that and the other thing. Yeah. And we're blessed that, you know, they're in school out here, but you know, there's all this stuff that they've got to do. And I'm thinking, wow, that that's a lot different 
that looks a lot different than when I was in the schools and when I was teaching and this, that, and the other thing. But then I got thinking about it. I'm like, you know, we got talking about pickup and drop off and it's very controlled now. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. man, I bet that's tightened up. You know, I bet that that process has tightened up for schools because of, because of these things. And I think that the, there's going to be positives that come out of all this that make us rethink the way we do some of it. Um, the show thing is going to be interesting to see what happens with that. You know, there's, yes. there's, you know, good grief. There's no NWTF show. There's no shot show. There's no ATA, you know, and it's like, I, I'm pretty sure you and I actually met each other last year at shot show. Yes, um, we did. And I mean, without those interactions now, what is that going to look like? That's going to look way different. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be different, but you said you were just finishing up uh, deer season being a fellow Michigander. You guys just wrapped up uh, rifle season or gun season yesterday, right? Yeah. So shotgun season just ended. So now we have um, essentially till I believe Friday muzzleloader will open up, but you know, it's always bow season. So oh, yeah. uh, if I wasn't dealing with this, I'd, I'd still be probably trying to, to chase some chase one, but uh you know, um, we'll have till the end of the month on, on, on that altogether. So then we'll have a late doe season and we try to get together and try to make all the farmers happy and, and get rid of some does at the end of the year. And, and of course, people that, people that want does, we shoot does for them and uh, do all that kind of stuff. So it becomes a, a fun time of the year, right? And, and between travel for duck hunts, we still have some duck hunts where we're going on with specific partners and, you know, keeping it low key and, and, and things like that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, where um, where are you headed for ducks in the next few weeks? So I was supposed to go to Montana on uh, Thursday, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a trip that I look forward to every year. Go out there with Ted Wells and Jim Sawbeer and and uh, Thad and Kevin from from Sika and uh, and and Brett and Luke was going to join me this year. They're on the Lucky Duck team, and we're going to kind of make it a fun group deal. And uh, I was really sad that i'm not going to be able to go fortunate luke and brett will still be able to go out there and hang with those guys and it's just important they've been lifelong friends and um uh partners for a long time and, and we we just enjoy getting out there and, and going hunt with them but uh after that i might uh later on i'm gonna try to maybe get down to oklahoma uh, maybe down to grindstone outfitters uh, might you know try to swing down into kansas and see you know ben webster big kansas or or Jed and uh, Paul over there, uh, Southern Prairie Outfitters at their new lodge. Uh, and then um, in January, we'll go down to uh, Arkansas and just hunt down there around with some friends. And then usually at the end, when Arkansas goes out those last couple days, I'll go down and hunt with uh, my good friend, Jeff Watt, and Matthew Cagle from Brigham Wright, and a uh, buddy that we know is nicknamed Bumper. Uh, we'll go down and hunt down in Maddox Bay and do some 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 public hunting and then kind of just shift over because Max does their um, snow goose conservation um, hunt. So we try yep. to be, be there and support that. Whether that's going on, I, I don't know. I think it's tentatively planned. But again, it's a hunting thing. So, you know, you're around the same people. You're going to be with the same people. It's, you know, it's not like you got, you know, 30 guys or 40 guys out there. Um, it's just a controlled environment. So I hope that he still does it. But again, I understand if he doesn't. Right. Um, down right. there at Max. Yeah, that would be cool if you could pull that off. That's for sure. But I don't want to rub salt in your wounds, man. But um, yeah, we're 
we're loaded with birds right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a crazy thing because I was talking with the guys in Montana and and then uh, my buddy Ethan Kirk over in Nebraska and it's just like the amount of birds and the amount actually the amount of ducks, but knowing that it's really not even froze up north, so it's no. it's it's uh it's 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 crazy to me to to know or, or understand why these birds are moving like that and why they're they're stuck around you guys because you're not really anything's frozen you guys up up north no and we had so early in the month early in well last month november the first part of that november and around halloween we got some nasty weather um so much so that it really it put a damper on uh yeah. Uh, well, one of the guys that you see on the webisodes and stuff, Scott Reekers, had a had a big, big production of a backcountry late season elk hunt planned, and we got so much snow that we they couldn't get in there. There was oh, wow. we couldn't even get to the trailhead with the horses. Wow! And so they ended up punting and doing a different late season hunt, which um, Ike, the our our president, CEO, owner, all things that is Eastman's. Um, he had they had another guy coming in that had a late season tag and they were actually able to to get that but super limited on where they could go but what that weather did is it pushed in all kinds of birds for us and i was out um chasing whitetails kind of like what you've been doing Mm -hmm. along the river bottoms and man there's geese and ducks and i'm thinking i gotta get in the blind holy (laughs) smokes i gotta get these deer killed and get in a blind and um then it got nice which it usually does and within a couple of days it got nice and our geese were only here for maybe a week and they were gone and they went back up north um so they're up you go up by up anywhere along the Yellowstone or the Missouri right now in Montana, and they're loaded with geese, just loaded. And we don't have hardly anything here, but we've our mallards stayed. And wow. so we have, I've been keeping an eye on a cornfield the last you know, couple nights. And they're, of course, they're totally vampire ducks right now. They're totally nocturnal. And so I've been hunting them. We hunted them on the river. Um, I think Black Friday, we hunted Friday morning course they don't come back until an hour after daylight and they come back and they're they're literally just spitting up corn you know they're so they're so full yeah it's that full moon you know it's uh we were supposed to i was actually supposed to go over with the grind waterfall tv and we were supposed to hunt up in bismarck on the missouri river and we were actually i was supposed to leave sunday and and um the biggest the biggest thing was in is that we looked at the at the moon chart and just kind of looked and then you can only hunt um up there on the weekends the entire day if not during the week they cut it off at like two o'clock so i bailed on that i was like yeah cold weather full moon they're not going to move until you know three o'clock four o'clock in the afternoon and good so no we ended up moving the hunt and i think that was a smart thing to do so they're going to end up going up there because i was supposed to be in montana but Either way, it would all have been a wash for me. <laughs> ah, that stinks. Yeah, oh, that, that stinks. But yeah, yeah, we're we finally got some wet. The weather broke here, and it's been nice. You know, forty-five, almost fifty degrees, and sunny every day, and with a full moon, so you can know you know what those ducks are doing. But today, it started snowing about twenty-five, thirty minutes ago, and uh, I'm going to run out and check that field after <laughs> after you and I get off the phone because i have a feeling it's good they're going to be swarming that thing in the daylight today so 
Well, we shall see. We shall see. But that'd be awesome. If you got into him. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. But well, how did you get started with with Lucky Duck, Ricky? Yeah. So um, I, I used to do some stuff with Dakota Decoy. Uh, I was their staff development manager for uh, since about two thousand and eight. Um, so I helped Bill out quite a bit, and that was in addition to just my normal job. It was kind of my way of trying to work my my way into the industry. You know, I love hunting. I love waterfowl hunting. Um, I've been in the blind with my dad since I was five years old, so thankfully to him, um, he just helped me grow that passion for, for waterfowl hunting. And Bill and I got to know each other really well and, and things like that, and I was actually working down in Illinois at a, a consultative sales position, um, recruiting for colleges down there. And um, and I just, uh, I was able to meet uh, Tim No, who's one of the owners of Lucky Duck uh, at Game Fair one year. So going back to the shows, how valuable uh-huh. they are in networking. So I, I was at Game Fair one year and I uh, was able to hang out with Tim and get to know Tim. And um, it's just one of those things you always kind of keep in your back pocket. One day I was just uh, kind of tired of my job, you know, bought out by a corporation and, and the culture was changing. And I, I just called up Tim one day and I said, hey, if, you know, you're looking for anybody that's uh, uh, you know sales oriented and stuff like that. I would, you know, I would love to talk with you guys. And uh, you know, one thing led to another, and uh, a couple of months later, I I ended up uh, obtaining the role as a sales manager with Lucky Duck. And um, here I am. Uh, it's going to be um, seven years uh, this this January. And I, I tell you what, every year, uh, not only do we get more busy, but uh, it, it gets more fun. Um, I absolutely love this job. I love the people that I work with, and um, the team that we have is just absolutely amazing. That's cool. It's it's always interesting to hear, you know, how people got started in things, and because you because ne- you never know, you know, and, and you get you hear the stories about guys that, oh, I've been wanting to do, you know, wanted to be in the industry my whole life, or I wanted to be have a hunting and fishing job, you know, my whole life. And it's just, it's always interesting to hear people's stories about how it actually, you know, worked out for them. So that's, that's why I asked that question. But what is, I mean, what is your year looking like now that there's no shows? And I mean, there's a, companies are kind of scrambling, trying to figure out how, how we're going to release product. What are we going to do? What is your year going to look like these next few months after, you know, when things start, you got to get product announcements out and get things released. What are you guys thinking along those lines? Well, I mean, nothing's really changed for us. It's more so what what the best thing that COVID's done is is, is it's made people communicate more and communicate more effectively. Um, We're just, you know, a lot of my my main retailers, uh, you know, I communicate a lot with them uh, daily uh, to the best that we can. We've had virtual meetings with them. Uh, it's, It's provided a little bit more convenience because of technology to be able to do those things. Um, you know, it's tough not to be able to, you know, spend time with them so that they can, you know, touch, feel and see the, you know, feel the product. They can see it obviously virtually, but it still doesn't allow them to get their hands on it. And that's just, you know, that's unfortunate. But as far as, um, you know, marketing deadlines and and sales deadlines and the things that we, I mean, everything, nothing has changed for us. Uh, If anything, we're trying to um, get things done more in advance. For me, I'm trying to get all my forecasting done. Um, for 2021 by the end of this month. So, uh, you know, that's that's where I'm at uh, for all the big box retailers. Um, 
we have Luke Cramlett that's now a sales associate. Uh, and he handles um, some independent accounts and things like that. So he's he's going to be able to communicate more effectively with them. Uh, you know Haley. You you also met Haley there probably at yep. Shot Show. Sure did. Uh, um, she does an amazing job with anything marketing wise that we need. Um, you know, she's she's working on the current catalog, building that out, building out the asset library, working with our uh, influencers um, and, and Luke doing some community marketing to do some of that. So nothing's really changed for us. If, if anything, we've we've turned it up a little bit on the way that we communicate and, and, and maintain our communication um, so that we don't lose a step because of show season. But but quite honestly, um, we weren't going to display at Chacho Show because okay. The, everything that we've done um, prior to, whether it's meeting with customers, you know, with the way things are, uh, SHOT Show was more of a marketing thing. Um, and it's good for people to see the products and things like that. But, you know, uh, there's you've made about every relationship that you can um, throughout that stuff. So I would have walked the show and met with you and sat down right. and talked to you guys about maybe a plan and, you know, talk to the guys over at Wildfowl or, or whoever it may be and, um, and meet with our normal partners and stuff like that. But, um, you know, for the buy group shows, that was, that's a little tough, you know, MBS and isn't going to have a, a show mid States is not, uh, going to have a show They're They're doing a virtual show. Some of the buyer feedback is, uh, they enjoy it virtually because they can kind of do their work then check in with a vendor. Like, you know what I mean? So it's right. kind of this virtual door, if you will, they knock on it, <laughs> you're there waiting for them. They come in or whatever. But, um, so there's there's ways of still getting things done. Nothing beats face to face communication, um, but you know it's business as usual. Yeah, no, it has to be. Otherwise, it, like yeah. you said, you're going to fall behind, and somebody's going to beat you to the punch. You know, yeah. and and you've got to stay on top of it. So yeah, that's yeah, you know, that's interesting. That it it really is. It was. Um, I know that's one of the things that that we've been talking a lot about here around the office with with all of our brands, you know, obviously Eastman's is huge, but you know, wingmen and uh, our po other podcasts, Eastman's elevated and yeah. the, fly, the fly fishing one now Flycast, And it's like, okay, what does this look like, you know, moving forward? And I think it looks like this, you know, it looks like conversations and it looks like, you know, virtual meetings or whatever to help, help everybody get on board and marketing plans done and things like that. I, yeah, I, I I do miss the, you know, it's going to be one of those deals where, like you said, going back to the hunting thing, um, there's guys that are, have dropped out, um, not dropped out of hunting, but it's like, no, not, can't hunt it's, with you, can't do this because of, of this, because, you yeah. know, the different things. But as far as day in and day out, you know, did our annual Black Friday morning duck hunt last weekend and... Ever, it was, you know, the ducks still flew. They still decoyed. We still shot them. The dogs retrieved. You know, it was yep. like yep. same old, same old. Yeah, you, you become a little less worried when you're outside and you're associate, associating with people. Um, you know, I've heard one of our staff members, David Bott, great guy, writes blogs for us. Um, he was talking about down in all the Missouri draws, um, you know, you can't be in the same car together. You know, there's, they limit the draws only two people per blind. So, you know, it's, it's affected some of their hunting on the public side of things. Sure. It's a very, very interesting story on how that's worked and just how the state's trying to control some of that. And it, it kind of stinks for them. Um, 
but you know, at least they're getting some opportunities to get out. But he said that the lines are larger than he's ever seen in previous years because everybody wanted to go hunting, but yet there's restrictions. So sure, uh, sure. You know, it's, you you just try to do what you can to 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 keep moving forward and and have and have fun and make the most fun out of the situation that's that's in front of us. We said we weren't going to talk about COVID, but everyone I know, knows. I know. Like <laughs> our whole lives, even... our whole lives are revolving around it. It's a fear factor that that everybody has going on from the times our kid, you know, our kid walks into school and gets a thermometer stuck to their forehead and watching people walk around with masks on. So, know. you know, it's just one thing that we gotta we gotta deal and adjust with, and that's a great thing about being outdoorsmen is that we have an opportunity to still do the same thing and take our kids hunting and get them outside and because they're not going to get hurt because of that absolutely absolutely yeah and you were talking about earlier about your turkey tags and stuff selling out it's the exact same thing out here across the board um even with things like uh cow elk tags usually not not in all the units but usually you could in years past, you could buy some of those tags over the counter in some of those areas that, that were left over after the draws were over. Man, this year they were all gone. There were no leftover tags. Um, I'm out trying to trying to fill a cow elk tag, and I it's out of state plates galore during a oh, cow boy. season, you know. And yeah. I'm going, I mean, I can see spending that money and coming out here to shoot a bull, but holy smokes, you know. Usually it's like okay, you see one or two. But the number of out-of-state plates, and I'm talking like Pennsylvania. Um, there were guys from Wisconsin. I saw plates oh. from Virginia all over the place. And just guys, people dying to get out and, and hunt. And yeah. I think ultimately that's going to be a good thing for, yeah. for hunting because it's going to bring those numbers that we've been lacking back up. And, you know, that's more money, more people buying Lucky Duck products, more Pittman-Robertson money. Yeah. You know, I think it's yeah. going it to be a good thing in the long run. But, yeah, let's let's quit talking about COVID. What, <laughs> what, did, your, what did your October look like, September and October? You, did you get to hunt quite a bit ar- around home? Yeah, so uh, September was really good. We had a really good early goose season. I have some buddies uh, that I hunt around here with and um, – and the grind, uh, because we weren't able to go to Canada, you know, we you always got to punch something up in September. Yep. Um, so they, uh, um, Sean and Max, they ended up coming, coming to my place and we got with Don Collier. He, he lives about 30 miles from me. He's, uh, uh, and Wally, uh, their owners, the SOK North. And then, uh, Barton yep. ended up coming up, uh, from Mississippi. So we all got together. We did, uh, three days of an early goose hunt here we had a good time uh, we shot birds um, it was a good time for us to get together so we just kind of continued on shooting birds around here uh, and you know quite honestly um, it's been a blessing because of less travel I've been had the opportunity to hunt with my friends and my family more you know one of the things that you know since we've gotten busier I didn't get to hunt with my dad as much as I normally would uh, in years before I started working for Lucky Duck. So uh, him and I have been able to hunt a little bit more. I was able to get out with my nephew a lot. Um, so I, I was very thankful in that aspect of it uh, to be able to get out there. But as far as like the duck situation here, uh, it's bleak. Uh, there's birds just now moving in up north, and our duck season goes out um, this weekend. Right. Uh, we right. do have that split, but I just, man, I wish that we, we, we could do it like everybody else or like most and open up you know, 
first weekend when everybody wants to and still have that the same, but close for a week and then tack that week on at the end. You know what I mean? So it's, it's the same thing here, man. You know, it's, it's the same. I don't, I look at it and go, man, I wish we didn't run as late, you know, give us like one week, you know, like maybe two weekends in the first split and then tack that rest of that time on. Yeah, don't you open guys up, get don't 75, don't you? Yeah. But yeah, see, we only get 60. I know. I know. And <laughs> I so, take two more weeks. I'm yeah, at least I think we get. I think we get seventy five. I'm pretty sure we do. Seventy five or ninety. I know in uh, was in Bozeman they get ninety, don't they? Yeah, I think Montana gets. It's weird. No, we get we get the same. We get the same as Montana because they their duck season is actually open. I don't think it opens as soon as ours does, yeah. but they actually get like another week after we do. And right. so we'll actually transition up there and hunt some hunt those last week of ducks up there. But it's the same. You know, I'd rather see them take some of that time off the front end yep. and tack it on the back end. Because it seems like every year around Christmas, we get nasty weathering storms and we get yeah. birds and then we get a lull. Yeah. And yeah. nothing happens. Nothing happens. Birds get stale. As soon as season closes and we're hunting late season honkers, we're covered up in ducks again. But eh. <laughs> and what are you gonna do? You you can't First change the feds' problems, mind, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. What? Uh, so you had a er- good early goose. Did you have any local ducks around? That was one of the one of the things growing up in the UP. We always that first that opener was always great because we had all those local birds. Yeah. So I I uh, our opener we had a nice morning shoot. My dad, my nephew took the farmer out uh he had brought a friend out so uh it was it was nice because i had just gotten my dog um and i just gotten him back from the trainer so it was nice to to get him on his first duck hunt it was just a it's a flooded it was a flooded field there's always a water hole in there so you know it was holding a couple hundred ducks and, and we did pretty well that morning so i was excited to get uh, people out that really don't get to do it ever uh, that too often um share a hunt with them so that that was fun Outside of that, we've had a, a couple decent shoots, but, you know, around Thanksgiving, we're usually into them, and uh, there's just not a lot around. So, mm. but hopefully here in the next week or so with this cold front that we're just now getting, uh, it'll push some more ducks in. But, uh, again, it's it's been it's been bleak on the duck side. There's plenty of geese around. Yeah. No, it seemed like we had the same kind of deal as the, towards the end there you were – scrambling to find ducks but there was tons and tons of geese so we just never knew what that was going to be well i hope you get a chance to get out here and get some of those later season hunts in and if it works out where you swing out this way and you're close give me a holler man we'll get you in a blind (laughs) you know i'm gonna have to say something to those guys that are out in uh uh or to bill and um and the guys with the grind because um how, how how far are you from riverton Oh, we're two and a half hours. Okay, because so I think you just three. did something with, with with Brian from High Mountain too, right? They did. They did an episode with Brian okay. about a year. No, I guess it was a couple months before we did, and then okay. we did it. They did kind of focused right there around Riverton, and we actually did a river hunt um, okay. where we we floated the river with them, and then we did a factory tour and. Actually, we're just sending that video back out in a in a newsletter today, um, with a big push for High Mountain. So, and that's because 
is to, for people to hear more about products. I do believe more people are listening to podcasts, you know, and this is kind of piggybacking off of what do you do without shows. You got to do more of this stuff. We have to have conversations and keep people engaged and, and talk about, you know, you know, hunting and, and products and stuff like that. So this is a good opportunity for that. But, um, you know, uh, those guys are going to be out, I think, in Wyoming. Um, I want to say like this month or maybe early January and they're going nice. to kind of do this, this, this tour, maybe hit up some people in Nebraska and then they were going to bounce over to the Riverton area. So I'll tell them to keep you in mind. Um, yeah, we reach out if the bird situation is, is different because I know how they can get uh, in Riverton. They can get really good or they can get uh, uh, really thin, you know. It's and it is. It's feast kind of feast or famine down there. And that's what we ran into because we were going to do like a float hunt one day and then hunt fields with Brian the next day. And they just didn't have birds around Riverton. Right. Um, so we just kind of hunted north of there um, on the river and, and did well, did very well. But it was, uh, yeah, it's kind of feast or famine that way. But yeah, yeah, have them, have them give us a call and we'd Good. love to jump in a blind with them if we can. If it works out, that'd be cool. Absolutely. It's always fun to meet new hunters and or yep. you know hunt with guys you don't know and get to know yep. people. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. But well, back to Lucky Duck. What you know, without giving away a bunch of secrets, you guys came out with kind of the the first waterproof spinner last year yeah and and that had never been i mean that was new it was like in the past if your spinner fell in the water you you freaked out you know it was (laughs) like no but now you guys kind of circumnavigated that how are you going to top that what do you guys got coming out uh you know believe it or not we've got a pretty stout lineup coming in for um 2021 and why i can't speak details before the pre-launch as much as i would love to we're looking about um you know 31 new products and that's just you know some of that is skew updates but you know uh, a majority of that is new products so um just just trying to listen to what uh, our customers are saying update some some older products to make them more user friendly um and and do more things like what we've done with the waterproof hdi and um, and that patented uh, system and, and just be, you know, uh, take things to the next level. Cause you're right. Everybody always feared um, falling in the water or heavy snow or rain or whatever. So we came out with that premium decoy and uh, it's super user friendly. Um, but, you know, we're just going to keep trying to, to piggyback off of that. And I, I think that, you know, while most of what you and I'll talk, uh, is waterfowl the, the biggest growth believe it or not from lucky duck right now is our predator side you um, you guys had said that actually last year at shot show and it's insane i was why i've been paying attention to that because we're a, we're a little tuned into that through the eastman side yeah. of things, and it's it's more big stuff i mean it's like lions and wolves yeah. and stuff like that stuff that's a little harder to call <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. you can do it you can do it but i've been watching some of your stuff man that raccoon video that's like <laughs> one of the coolest things i've ever seen i tell you what you ever get bored on, on a day and you feel like shooting something and it doesn't matter the time of day you turn on that raccoon stuff and they i did it uh right here at my house and uh me and the neighbor just sat out there and i was like you want to see something neat and he's like what's that and i was like Let's see if we can go call some raccoons out of the woods right here. I set that sucker out. Within three minutes, we had we had two of them trying to attack the call. And yeah. I think we just, he and I, just like in the matter of five minutes.
four of them. So it's it, it's fun, but um, you know, it, Rick Paulette, uh, the Verminator, has been making sounds for us, and yep. um, and we put him on the calls, and he's the one that you know has worked with the calls. We came out with the you know this is again kind of re- relating to kind of changing changing products and, and updating older products to give people new ideas and, and make them more user friendly. But we came out with that call that has a first rotational base on it. So you can control that, um, that speaker in the direction you want to, you know, portray that sound. So, uh, and Rick, and, and, uh, it's a revolution and the revolt. Uh, the revolt is our number one seller. Um, so, uh, we've been, believe it or not, we've been sold out of predator calls here for about the past month. It's not a great, it's not the, 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 the best feeling to be sold out, but, um, it's, you know, we've doubled sales as far as in some of this stuff already. So we got more callers coming in here in the next couple of weeks and getting stores filled up again. And it's just, it's been absolutely insane with the callers since July on a season that typically doesn't even start rolling until October. So, uh, it, it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, to, to like the HDI and, um, and when you come out with a new product and, and, and you see the customers and how they receive it and, and just how it looks overall, it, you know, we're, we're doing really good on, on, on some of these, um, these newer products and, and is, just keeping the, the line fresh. Yeah, that is really cool. I'm glad to hear you guys are, are seeing some, you know, growth or good growth in that sector. That raccoon video that I was saying, <laughs> I watched it and I, I sent it to the guy that sits next to me is Dan Picard. He's actually does our Beyond the Grid series. And he just literally last night finished up his big game season um, with a deer hunt, with an archery deer hunt. And But he's always looking, you know, he's, he'll jump in the blind with us and we'll hunt ducks and geese and stuff. And he helps us film and things like that. But we're all, he and I are always looking for something fun to do you know like after say your flights slow down and your birds aren't doing what they need to do and yep. you still want to get out i saw that video i looked at him and i'm like dude i sent him <laughs> the, i sent him the link i was like we are doing that yeah we yeah. are doing that it's uh it's 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 intense man to see him come down the the trees and just like mid daylight when you're not supposed to see him come boiling out of the trees and come running down and just come sprinting right at the thing i mean just mad just just so mad at it and then you know max our, our camera guy was you know just laughing because he's like man they were nip, they were nipping at my legs and climbing all over my legs and, and just running across and it's uh you know rick laughs about it and he's like i didn't think it'd be so appealing just to put those sounds on that call but people are loving it dude it i mean i i took one look at that because we had talked we actually had a landowner out here um we asked about pheasant hunting because he's got why it seems like he's got birds everywhere right and which our habitat our our upland bird habitat our pheasant habitat and our waterfowl habitat big time overlap here but it's really fragmented because it's all in river corridors and once you get a couple miles outside of that river corridor it's sagebrush and badlands and there's nothing you know there's no habitat for stuff and so this guy, we started asking him about this because we kind of duck hunted on his place. We'd seen a bunch of pheasants. We thought, oh, let's ask. And he's like, no, no. You know, my neighbor used to used to do predator control out here. And he goes, he died. And ever since he died, he's like, our raccoon numbers are just through the roof. 
And he's like, I've really noticed a drop off in my pheasant numbers. And I'm thinking, yeah. you noticed a drop off? You got tons of birds. But yeah. he's like, man, I could really use some help with these raccoons. If you guys know somebody that wants to control it. I watched that video. I was like, we're going back out there. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna help that guy out. He's got like old barns on his property and stuff. And I'm thinking this is just too good not to do. Yeah, it's you, you have to you have to do it, and, and it's a way of um, you know you get one thing done for the farmer, and then they're happy, and then next thing you know, it leads to many other things. Right, right. Yeah, it's part of kind of scratch your back, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of thing, and and working. Right establishing and maintaining those landowner relationships too, because like I just said, 90% of what we do out here is based on private land. We yeah. are, that's where our birds are. We we've got some public production areas, but not much. And right. so it's, it's private land. And if you're not taking care of those relationships, you're going to have a place to hunt for pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's, that is really interesting. Yep. Well, I am yeah, definitely going to pick up one of those. Get you a call. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying that. I'm. I'm. Yeah. We'll, we'll chat when this is done because that would be <laughs> that'd be something else to throw in the video mix too. That would be a lot of fun. Yep. Exactly. Well, that is that is awesome. I noticed too that you guys, um, you guys got into the field hunting scene a little bit in the last couple of years. You got some silhouettes out. You got a really unique one with your high vis silhouettes. Um, they're just black and white. What was the what was the reasoning behind that? Old school, man. Sometimes you know the, the thing about waterfowl. I always say this: while we can improve and, and make products better, there you know innovation is sure it can be updating a product and making it better or whatever. Um, it's kind of you know reinventing the wheels, if you will. But to me, innovation is it's really making something that that changes the game, right? Um, and just some of the things that we've done in waterfowls is that since the, the spinning wing decoy and what it actually did to ducks, I don't really think outside of maybe, you know, uh, mud motors or whatever has made it uh, as easy to, to, to kill ducks, right? Some of my friends call it a crutch, if you will. But, uh, you know, the, the high-vis series is something that was old. Guys used to, you know, get the, the old real estate signs or get cor corrugated plast and and just and, and make their own decoys. And um, we just wanted to put something out there because everybody's going back to silhouettes. There's more implementation going on in fields, making it harder for people to get into fields. So, you know, you can carry five dozen um, and, and get your numbers out pretty quick. And just something that's, a you know, these are a great filler. You can see them from far, far away. Uh, I love the looks of them they really pop but just something different than than what's already out there because there's you know there's so many printed silhouettes out there and and um you know while some look different than the others they're really just different poses right so uh we did that and then we we had had um another silhouette um that was american made uh that was more uh, like a harder plastic and thicker you know not not uh as breakable as that, that corrugated stuff because the corrugated when it gets cold it would just break so you, you know we, we toyed around with that we, we we did some of the silhouettes uh we made a bag um you know as far as the field hunting aspect goes we've had the gear down blind for for many many years a lot of snow goose hunters like to use that blind and then um, one of the one of the things that we're impressed with the most and our customers are is our new two by four blind um, yep. I was going to ask you next about that. 
I kind of, I had a similar, going back to Sean, I had a very similar conversation about the black and white stuff with Sean's yep. call. And yep. it's not, it's like you rotate through trends and you get back to, eventually you get back to where you started with birds. You know, it's like they see so much of one thing that you go way back to old school. Those birds have never seen that before. Yeah. And, and it's like, and it works again. It's, it's kind of funny how, how that, how that came, how that comes about. I, th- I figured that's what you were going to say because it's kind of like guys have been painting bleach jugs and throwing decoy lines yes. on them for, you know, oh, for as long as bleach jugs have yeah. been around yep. and killing they birds. They still with do them. it. Yeah. They still do it. Go down to real foot. I mean, there's black jugs all over the place, um, you know, because what they do is when they sit in the water, they get the water tin on them and they roll around and they got this different shine to them and, and it makes them pop and looks like they're, you know, floating ducks or whatever. So uh, there's a lot of people that are doing that in different areas just to give a different look or set themselves apart from from everybody else. So it's, uh, you know, it's I use them. I used them here, um, you know, as filler and things like that. Uh, have intentions of using them, especially on some of these chisel pot fields when you get this, you know, what rain snow mix and yep. don't really want to go. You know, I can get my side by side out there, but I can put, you know, 15 dozen of those in the back of the side by side and um and and just get out there in the middle a couple of gear down blinds and and just go hunt yes no completely and and we've kind of gone to the same same type of setup here where if i don't if i can get away without using a layout blind and you know the old school hunker down in a ditch or hide in the decoys with your camo and maybe some like a gear down blind yeah man i we i don't know it seems like we decoy birds really really well doing that and Yeah, that so that so that two by four blind, mm-hmm. you got you were going to talk about that. One of the things that I noticed that I liked about that design, that what I saw was you can split it. I mean, it's ten feet long, but you could split it to be only five feet long if you need to. Yeah, so it, that that's one of the things we wanted to make it you know durable. Everybody advertises you know about their blind, their eight foot blinds. Uh, being able to hunt, you know, four people. And that's just not the case. You know, you get, you know, maybe if they're four kids or, you know, yeah. four, four small women, but you get four grown men in there. Um, there's just no way. I mean, it becomes unsafe. Uh, so, you know, we were, we were like, you know, Hey, let's, you know, let's, let's, we've hunted with all these other products and, and things like that. You know, we can make this better. Um, we can, we can do a better job. And, um, and, and let's make it more appealing to the customers because sometimes, you know, it's just during the week, you can only find, you know, another person to hunt with you. So, yeah, you can break it down. You can pick the whole thing up um, without, you know, having to worry about bars sliding out or, or whatever it may be. And um, we changed the strap design on how, it, you know, you do the burrito roll up instead of using nylon buckles that are known to break. And it makes it hard to draw the tension down to really close the blind up. Um, we used an NRS strap, believe it or not, that idea came from guides we listened to out at Falco. Um, they said, you know, this is what we use. We use an NRS strap, and that really allows you to get the pressure on that blind, makes it easier to carry, um, right. to stack in trailers and, and that. So just listening to people and listening to the people that do it every day, um, you know, that's why people like that that blind so much more in the, the pocket room. And, you know, I'll, I can throw this out there. This is one of the the bones I'll throw you, we are going to have flip tops for them next year. So sweet. Yeah. And it's just going to be an easy, uh, no bolting, no, 
it's just going to be a clamp that mounts to the top and um you know uh, we're gonna that's what that's one thing we're gonna do so again you're gonna be able to buy the, the flip tops in the set to fit the whole two by four but if you go out with the the, the two-man portion um you'll just have the one flip top that you can set up on on the five foot portion so you know not uh, not ruling that out either so again uh, you can use them both ways that's nice yeah that's yeah. that's one of the things when i first started hunting out of those things that um jim jim Sovier has a saying that i'm sure you've heard about sticking out but um (laughs) i'm almost gonna argue with him and say he stole that from me but yeah i I think he did i think he actually gave you credit (laughs) it involves it involves pizza yeah yep pizza Mm -hmm. oh goodness but you know when once i got over that initial aspect of hunting out of those one of the things that I did notice was that, man, if birds swung over you, went over, say they go over too high, and they're, man, it almost always seemed like they'd, they'd look down and they could see in your, in that blind. That was one thing that we really had to yeah. pay attention to was getting grass over the top yeah. of that stuff and making sure we were hidden from above. Um that was what once we figured that part out no problem and it was it's almost shocking how well those things work in situations where you would not expect them to work yep and then you got you probably had sean talking to you about why he makes everybody wear black in the blind yeah because people might be wearing various camos or whatever but then there's a black gap in between them so he's like why not just look black throughout the whole thing just a black hole yeah that makes a lot of sense too sean's a very good hunter better hunter than i am i would listen to sean every day of the week um he uses our goose flapper and he really likes that um but you know to to the point of the tops i think it's you know not just important to the to the to the things that you talked about but again us listening to the hunter you know i have a lot of friends that that hunt you know chicago um, suburbs areas and things like that there's a lot of birds that bounce bounce around back and forth between these ponds and there's fields in between a lot of times these birds are coming from your backside um you know the 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 tail or whatever most would say is that well if a bird comes from behind you got about a 50 percent chance 50 50 chance of killing it well there a lot of times that's not the case so you know you you have a, a big opportunity to kill them but you just don't want them to be able to see down that blind so you know that's why those tops are going to be important for guys like that too no absolutely Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have any control necessarily about where your birds are going to come from, yeah, you know, a flip top like that would be, I see a zillion uses for it, especially. And, and out here, you know, we get into some of these late season scenarios here. There was a situation that I, I think we'll be able to release it as a webisode. I think we got enough footage to pull that off, but it was the very last hunt of the year. One of the reasons that I really want to get it out on YouTube is that what we had to do to be successful to kill birds, we had our layout set up around a pivot, a pivot base. And these birds were, we were totally trafficking these birds. They quit using this field. We couldn't get on the feed, but we got right in between them and it was like, let's try it. You know, Mm -hmm. so we set out a huge spread, kind of tore up the snow with our pickups. So it looked like they'd been disturbed. And then we got tucked in. And we had snow covers and man, they were just picking us out and they were, and they were, we killed a few that decoyed really well, but it seemed like they wanted to loop around behind that pivot 
And they'd yeah. come in, when they made that loop, they were killable. But when they made the comeback around to the decoys, they were 75, 80 yards out, feet down. And it was just like, we got to be able to shoot behind us. Yeah. We actually yeah. took those layout blinds with the snow covers and stood them, like built a fort out of them in around that, around <laughs> that pivot. Made you your know, own we, blind. Yeah. We built a blind out of our layout blinds is what, yeah. is what we did. We needed the snow cut. We needed the breakup of the white. Um, and we started, we started killing birds, you know, cause we could shoot 360 degrees then. Yeah. And it's like, they weren't safe at when they made the swing 20 yards behind the pivot, they weren't safe anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it was they, like, they do weird things, man. It's, they do. Uh, they they do. try to, they've been, you know, lately for us, they've been sliding on the backside of the mass. They'll do things mm. like that. So we, we've been, you know, you almost have to hunt these big honkers like lesser sometimes like, man, you gotta, you gotta watch them because they're going to slide on the backside of the mass or, short stopping you or whatever but to your point hunting around a pivot we got away with that stuff up until this year this year we just can't i mean we'll look at each other and like we'll, we'll just can't can't do it it's nice because you know you can hunt you can get down to pivot lanes most of the time when everything's chisel plowed but you know that if you really want to kill them you you, you know you got to get out in the middle of the field somehow yep. and, you know we were getting away with the two by fours in the middle of the field. Now that may work up in Canada still, or it may work in your area or it may work somewhere else in, in Illinois or whatever, but it's, it's not working here anymore. So what did we do? Like you and Sean talked about, we had to go back to the old ways of doing things. Now, after three or four years of not doing it often, I'm hunting out of a layout blind more often now than yep. I was previously. But you know, that's just, that's just knowing what's going on in, 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 in my specific area. That may be different for you. No, you're They're surely you're, different. Yeah, you're spot on. And and our birds, I mean, they get localized pressure, but we don't we obviously don't see the hunting pressure that that you guys do in Michigan and you know, say Illinois or some of those big Minnesota, some of those big honker right. states where they're, they're grinding on those birds all the time. Those birds get tough. And our birds get tough, but not like that. But it's definitely one of those deals where it's nice to have a blind like the two by four, but it's nice to have layout blinds too, because you've got to be able to match whatever situation you you've got to do. But are you guys digging your layouts in at all? I remember no, we used, we used no. to have to do that. You know, here you, you just, we just don't mess with the fields much because we have a lot of seed cord farmers around us. Um, and you go messing with the ground a lot and they yep. it gets them wound up. So we just really just try to get in and out. We use four wheelers and side by sides. I mean, just to be able to get out into the field, just to just try not to disrupt um, the soil and respect the farmers the best that we can. But um, you know, a lot of times with these chisel pod fields, uh, depending on how bad they're ripped, you know, if they rip to the pan, um, then we try to use like gear down blinds to get get as low as we possibly can. Right. But if if they're still to the point where you can see corn, just as long as we stubble them up slap them all together and then what we're doing is we're not putting any decoys behind us or to our sides to the sides of us because you know we don't want them looking down the blinds right so we, meant, we usually hunt decoys um nothing's closer than 10 yards so yep. we don't we don't want we want to get them out there 10 yards and then and then we start you know we just, we, you know move, set however you want to set but at the same time we're just not in the decoys essentially we just want to be off a little ways yeah, that's we do the same thing hunting fence rows out here. Yep. You know, you set up on a 
there's a lot of of course everything out here is irrigation you, we, right. we couldn't grow anything in the, in the desert without irrigation so right all of the ag fields have big irrigation lines and ditches and yep. there's always seems like there's always something to hide in even if the birds are out 200 yards out in the field most of the time you can suck them over to the edge because it's just like a little run of grass or weeds and but it's the same way you don't put anything close to your blinds you know it's all set out away from you and you get them as they're as they're swinging or you know setting in kind of across that's one of those things i like to do is if i can pull birds from right to left or left to right play the wind that way so they're not coming right in staring right in your face yeah. it seems like they i get better shots that way and but no, yeah I, cool. I agree with you yeah it's just uh it, it's really uh just trying to to adjust to the ways of what's going on around you that's bottom line yeah absolutely absolutely you know i see one of the things that you guys have kind of led the charge on a little bit is the pigeon game that's something that uh holy smokes kind of come out of nowhere in the last year and a half to two years is guys chasing pigeons in the off season, I think it's something that we all used to shoot them when we had the opportunity, but man, there's guys that are actually getting after it. And you guys have answered the call with that. What, yeah, um, so, yeah, so what, we made this big, mean, mean ass looking pigeon, right? Yeah. Uh, and things a brute, uh, and just seeing what's going on in the industry. And it's, you know, it's, it's not obviously a, um, game changer by any means as far as right. when it comes to sales dollars, but, you know, customers look for that kind of stuff, and there there's guys that do that. I do it. I've got a buddy that's ate up with it um, that's just north of me about a half hour, and we get out and try to do it, and you find a good dairy farm where they're yeah. all hanging out at. And that's the nice thing about out where, where you guys are at or in Idaho or you get outside of the Twin Cities, and they, they, they fly out of the cities, and they go feed and, and stuff like that. So um, they're just as much fun to shoot as ducks. I mean, they decoy just like ducks. But, um, yeah, the, but the bigger part of that market is for us is actually in Europe. Um, we really? Sell a lot of, yeah, we made a wood pigeon. Um, and so we sell a lot of wood pigeon spinners in Europe, believe it or not. I didn't even think of that. That's, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. That is super cool. Hey, you're yeah. talking about a mean-ass looking pigeon. <laughs> it's <laughs> like he's got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, he's flexing for sure. But, yeah, uh, no kidding. Yeah, that's a, a Dave Constantine, our carver. He does an excellent job. When he got that thing back, I was like, that thing's a brute. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's the size of a normal pigeon. Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at that, and we was actually, I was actually uh, out driving around this morning kind of looking for birds and and uh, found just a massive concentration of pigeons. You got to go, thought, man. You got to go Man, if they're, if they're still here after duck season or – if our bird numbers drop off and things slow down, I'm going to go after those pigeons and I'm going to go after those raccoons. <laughs> yeah, the nice thing about them pigeons, man, there's just no, there's no laws. There's nothing. No. You know, and they banned a lot of pigeons. Um, but um, by they, those people that actually track them and take yeah. care of them. But, yeah. um, you know, you got to, you got to do it. You, you, you got to get out there and do it. It's a lot of fun, especially if you found a big feed of them. You need to, you know, it doesn't take much. Just go out there and, uh, little gear down blind and you know as you keep killing them spread them out for decoys <laughs> right right exactly exactly yeah it's and we we had a couple of goose early goose spots back in michigan that they had pigeons and yep. that was one of the deals that they would they 
they always wanted you to shoot those pigeons out of, you know, they'd go in the barn and beat on the doors and stuff and you'd be standing around and pigeons start flying out. And, yeah. And not, we always not just that, but the, the, the toxic toxicity, I don't care. Right. Say. Right. And, uh, you know, when they're poop and all that crap. Right. So, you know, with, with all that, they don't want them around at all because it can make the cows sick. And yeah, exactly. Kind of stuff, so. Exactly. Yeah. But we used to, we used to, we actually used to eat them and we were poor ass college kids, but we used to eat these pigeons <laughs> and we, we would take them, breast them out and we would quick roll them in like seasoned flour, fry them and then put those fried breasts in like a, um, a bath of cream of mushroom or cream of celery or cream of chicken soup and throw them on, throw them in the oven at like 350 for like, I don't know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes and serve it over rice or noodles. Man, they were phenomenal. They so were. You did everything possible to, to make sure you didn't taste the pig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, college kids, man, we were, that was a long time ago. The yeah. old Northern Michigan university days. When you said but, college, uh, I was actually shocked you said you said rice. I figured you would have went with ramen noodles instead. You know, there might have been some of that. <laughs> <laughs> there might have been some of that. But I've had my fair share. Oh, man. But, yeah, so I see all these pigeons flying around. I think, yeah, maybe just go for some rock dove. That wouldn't be uh, – that might not be bad. But Get after now, it. Anyway, that's, that's awesome. That is awesome, but – you guys have got dog stuff. You've got yeah. all kinds of great, great stuff that you you brought out the kennel. Mm-hmm. Um, what can you tell me about that? It's just uh, that's been something that's been crazy. Um, you know, out of the gate, it, it was looking good, and now it's just uh, um, we can't keep them in stock. Basically, sold out or on back order until next month. Wow! Um, having everything manufactured here in the United States. Um, we bring it all together to final assembly in our warehouse. Um, you know, we, so it's just a, it's a really nice product. Uh, our, our product manager, Brett Ayers did a phenomenal job on engineering that and working with suppliers and, um, just figuring things out and figuring out, uh, materials that we can use to make it lightweight and, and durable. Um, and it is obviously five-star crash test rated and, um, you know, we offer the, the kennel covers for it and the pads, and uh, we will be coming out with a larger version um, here shortly. So that's going to be that's going to be um, good for people with you know bigger dogs or um, you know frontline animals as far as German shepherds and such right. like that. We you know large has been the, the next request that we get, but uh, internally for our intermediate, it's bigger than most uh, in, intermediate kennels that are already on the market right now, and it's hard for people to see that because of the exterior dimensions. Um, but it's you know it's a great kennel. There's no bolting. There's no you know bolt-on applications. All you got to do is just you know when you get the kennels, put the feet on it. And that's just a Phillips head, and it takes about you know two minutes to do all all four of those and. Um, it's just a, a great, great kennel. Um, we just had a guy um, give us a send us a message the other day. He's a waterfowl hunter down uh, from around. Uh, he's probably hunting in Arkansas, but he's around the Alabama area. And he messaged us and thanked us for making a great product. He had uh, gotten T-boned on the same oh. side that the kennel was on in the back of his pickup truck. Of course, he had it strapped in, which is the most important thing. Um, he had it strapped in, but. I mean, it T-boned him so bad it totaled his truck, broke his drive shaft in half. 
Oh man! Um, and his dog Wayland was said came right out wagging his tail. It happened in the kennel. Nothing, you know, no tie downs pulled out of it. So those are success stories. You you, you don't want to hear them, but you're glad to hear that that people did the right thing. So many people don't understand that the the safest place for your dog. Um, and everybody wants them riding shotgun. I love my dog. I love petting them. You know, these 10, 12 hour trips, you go down the road uh, and, and, you know, you just wish that they would be comfortable in the front seat with you, but is the, honestly the worst place for them to ride. Yep. The best place for them to be is in that kennel and a yep. kennel that fits them. So, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's something that's important to us. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we are, um, we are going to come out with a new comfort pad for, uh, the kennel and then, uh, a fan as well. Nice. Uh, we really like the fan a lot. So can have a lithium ion battery and a charger and, um, and things like that. And, and the ability to uh, probably what we're thinking is, um, accessorize it. So, um, guys can hook it into their trailer light hookup. And so that charger will still run, um, at any given time or they'll be able to charge that battery up. So nice. Yeah. Nice. Know? Yeah. I think you're, yeah, you're right. You know, it's like my dog won't ride in the front seat. He hates it. He, yeah. he's he's totally he wants to be secure or feel secure so he's like in the back seat laying down you can't even hardly get him to sit up right and and i but a lot of times i'll he'll if i'm short johns or whatever he'll be in the back of the truck i have a topper on the yeah. truck and he'll be back there kind of loose rolling around but i'm like man that that lucky kennel that intermediate size would be obviously perfect for my dog Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I'm looking at it. I actually have, I'm, I'll be getting a dog from Barton here okay. in, the, in the spring. Good. And so, yeah, that'll be, I'm look, really looking forward to that. But that's one of the things I told my wife. I said, you know, we've got these cheapo plastic kennels that I bought, a kennel that I bought back before these lucky kennels even existed. Yeah. And yeah, it's worked. But I looked at it and I said, we're going to upgrade when we get, now that we're going to have two dogs, I said, we're going to upgrade kennels too. I said, that's, uh, that's pretty important. You know, you throw them in the back of a suburban or side by each, or you throw them in the bed of the pickup side by each and strap them down. And you just know your dogs are going to be protected because, you know, I think the days of the days of the duck dog that, you know, lived outside and slept under the porch and, you know, rode in the back of the truck, head hanging over the side. You see that all the time with these ranch dogs out here. Um, or they'll, you know, riding 75 miles an hour down the highway on a flatbed. And it's like, wow, how is that dog even on there like that? But it's crazy. I think those days are, you know, people are over that. They want, they, they spend a lot of money on dogs and they want to take care of their animal is part of the family. You know, my dog, he lives in the house. And he spends a lot of time outside to be conditioned to the outdoors, but he lives in the house and my girls love up on him every single day. You know, I've got a little boy born in September. Then that dog is by his side constantly. And it's like, we strap our kids into car seats and strap them down with five point harnesses and whatnot. Why aren't we doing the same thing level of protection for our dog? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're, it's, it's, the best way to describe it is is that you you're you're about to make a, a, a healthy investment in a you know couple thousand dollar dog and then you're gonna go and put it in this crate you know this like you said plastic crate or whatever and um, that's 
has no durability to it or anything like that. You dropped a cinder block on it, it's going to shatter into pieces. So right. I think it's 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 good that you're thinking the way that you're thinking because um, you're, you're essentially protecting your investment. Think about all the time you're going to have in training the dog and, and things like that. And, and, it, and it's great to hear because you have other options out there to pick another another kennel like there are other kennels there's there's a lot of you know good kennels on the market but um you know it sounds like that you and your wife sat down you made you know you're making an educated decision and doing your research and and i think the biggest thing for for you as well is is knowing that the kennel for her you know at 38 pounds is going to be lightweight and it's going to be easy for her to pick up out of the back of your truck or maybe out of the back of her you know i don't know if she drives a crossover an suv or or whatever it may be or you know it's it's it makes it more mobile you know what i mean so that's and and um to have that that protection at you know the pressure test up to like four thousand pounds and crush test at you know uh, 600 plus pounds you know it's 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 a big deal um for us for for people to understand that when you make that investment in a lucky duck kennel that that you are protecting your animal to the best of, that uh, of your ability yeah no absolutely absolutely yeah and if you guys keep coming out like with accessories, like you say, I mean, it makes it easier and easier all the time. Yeah. Yep. Fans, a big one, you know, in the back of the pickup in the summertime, running up in the mountains or doing stuff, you know, we leave the Valley floor here. It's a hundred degrees. We run up to the mountain and it's 68. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to be able to turn on that fan for that dog going through the, you know, through the desert. Yep. yep. But exactly. No, exactly. I, yep. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Well, I'd, I didn't want to get crazy talking product, but I'm kind of a gear junkie, man. And you guys have got a lot of awesome stuff. And I'm glad we got to visit about, you know, just some of it. You guys have a lot of stuff. And I'm I'm looking forward to talking more in the future about what you've got coming out for 2021. You know, after after things calm down a little bit, we'll get you back on and, and talk more. But we're staring an hour nine in the face, man, and it's flown by. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I'd love to get back together with you guys and, and, and talk more, especially when these products hit the market and, um, and, and you know, we do our launch and, and start, you know, maybe before the season, we start talking about things June, July. And as things start to ramp up and start, people start thinking about hunting and, um, you know, I'm excited for this season. I, you know, this, 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 you know, back on the COVID trend, it's not going away. Um, it's, it's, I think for 2021, until we get clean out of this thing, it's, it's going to be here for a while, but, um, uh, you know, we expect things to, to continue and in, in, in this outdoor market for, you know, the next two or three years. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be good for everybody. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it'll be good for hunting in the long run too. You know, yep. it's getting more people involved and if you can get people out there and get them hooked on it they'll find a way to stay with it if they really love it, you know? And, and like I said, that means more dollars for conservation, more dollars for animals, more dollars for habitat. I just, I do think it's, you know, it's one of those things that, that we've got, you're talking about the RV thing earlier mm-hmm. and we saw a ton of that this summer, obviously, but people didn't leave. I mean, I think when the, if the new census comes out, you're going to see Wyoming is going to jump up. I don't know how big, but man, we've got people are buying houses and people are, it was unreal. It was yep. unreal. And of course we're, and we're, I don't know, as the crow flies, we're, we're right next to Yellowstone. And so people, we get a inf- huge influx of tourists all summer long anyway, yep. but we're a quiet little farm town kind of 
out of the way. And man, we saw people, all kinds of license plates and they stayed and people are buying property and buying houses. And it's like, whoa, if that can cross over into yeah. the hunting market. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a good thing. Yeah, Absolutely. that National Park stuff is, is is nuts right now. I mean, uh, I don't know if you know Steve McGrath. Uh, he lives over uh, in Utah. He's, he's marketing manager for Camp Chef. He's been a good friend of mine for many years. And he and I talk, and he said he do, doesn't even think about going to the National Park. Like, you know, when all that was going it was just bananas. It was just insane because people were traveling and camping and hiking and just trying to get outside. I mean, in Canada, I talked to my Cabela's buyer in Canada, in Bass Pro, um, He's he's like we can't get our hands on any more bicycles, you know. Really, so, I mean I'm excited for it. It's good that people are getting outside. So it's 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 the COVID thing is a is a you know sucks for some, but it's a blessing in disguise for for others. You know, people are having to you know hang out with their families more and and do more things with it. You know, figuring out more adventurous ways to get out and do stuff versus yep. you know going to Disney or or doing whatever you know. Yeah, no, that's good. I yep. I completely agree. But well, hey man, I appreciate you jumping on with me, and I've really enjoyed our conversation. And I hope you keep feeling okay and and Thanks, get pal. this COVID thing kicked in the butt and get out and get some hunting in here in the in the at the end of the year and into and into twenty twenty one. And like I said, let's uh, let's uh, keep in touch, and if you can get out this way, let's do it. Absolutely. I'd love to do that. Um, Wyoming is a bucket list. I'd love to get out there and, and, and do some more stuff other than just drive through there to get to <laughs> Scott's Bluff, Nebraska. Um, yep. I want to get out there. And, and, and like I said, it's it's always great getting out to, to the West. So thanks again. I really appreciate it. And I know it took us some time to finally get together. I'm thankful for everything. Thankful for everything that you guys have done and, and Lucky Duck, of course. So I just appreciate the time and, and look forward to future conversations.